0: So, Welcome to It's Not All About The Numbers, the leadership podcast that doesn't just focus on the bottom line. My name is Chris. Hello, and that's Mike. Hello. And today we are going to have a slightly different approach to our podcast because this week is launch week and we've got various things happening which we're going to go into but first of all if you like what we're doing um please hit subscribe we've only been going for a few episodes but it's always encouraging to see people subscribing and if you really like what we're doing then why not click the five star button because it all really helps but um first off say so mike how
1: how was your week it's been um a chemical week this week so I've had a bit of a cold and I feel like I'm rattling around with pills and sprays and stuff um, because I've got quite a lot of a lot of project work on at the moment so it's it's that classic self-employed can't stop working to have a sick day thing so lots of head down prepping for the Open Data Institute Summit whilst rattling around full of tablets and chemicals.
0: It's it's amazing how resilient uh, huh. you've, you you realise you are when you're self-employed and you have to work to to earn money. But
1: I don't know about resilient, and I don't know about how high performing <laughs> I've been, but hey, uh, I'm still here. Yeah, in there?
0: Yeah, good, good. I mentioned, I think uh, last episode, a couple of episodes, I've started my my training program, my my personal training program. It's uh, it's I have to keep you updated on it because I might need some motivation over the weeks, but um. It's uh, it's not gone very well in the last week, but I am determined to get, to get back to my cardio fitness and uh, and uh, you know looking beautiful for the uh, events that we do. Um, it's n- nothing
1: to do with having to fit into that suit that you've had for a few years. It's it's everything to do with that, yeah, and uh, the fact that
0: there's some imaginary two inches have popped out from somewhere. I don't know where, but uh, I'm gonna get rid of those two inches and I'll, I'll look amazing in the suit again. Yeah, the other thing is we've been looking at, well, we've been all about the Academy, um, the GenCFA Academy. So a huge amount of work goes into it. It's, you know, six months cycle of work and it's this week. So um, that's been pretty amazing. And uh, it's just nice because we're feeling like it's good the work's done and you know there's a lot more to come but um you know when you get into this stage it's just just time to enjoy it really
1: and that's, that sounds good I, I i wonder if you why don't you tell me a bit more about the academy and why why you think it's important what actually is it what happens and why is it important
0: like everything i've done with gen cfo to be to be completely honest and this might sound um a bit odd but i have just tested and learned my whole way through gen cfo it it started off as a group of people just coming together for conversation and then we started to do more things and and the academy itself is kind of a result of people asking questions like how do i do this how do we get started you know what sort of things should we be doing what sort of technology we should be focused on you know how do we get the balance right so we we have a sister um summit to to the Academy, which is, you know, all about thought leadership and top down and why you do things. But the Academy is all about getting stuff done. And I think most people are really overwhelmed, you know, when they start searching for anything on digital transformation or anything around technology, it's just overwhelming. You know, you've got every consultancy in the world flooding the internet with, um, you know, helpful things, but also very hype things um and you know the the academy is there to sort of try and bring a bit of clarity to the subject specifically for business cfos business accounting and finance teams because you know as much as this is a sort of general change you've got to have that sort of specific conversation per function for you know for it to really resonate
1: how does it it work though is it is it uh, an opportunity for people to pitch their products and sell stuff or is it is it something else How, how does that work
0: so we're we're agnostic when it comes to technology so good because to be honest with you the technology's been there for years, and you know if you search the you know the listings you know there's lots of websites about how to find technology, so we don't really focus on the technology and we certainly don't encourage tech vendors to turn up and do a demo you know it's a bit of a waste of time. We can go and find that anytime and if you go onto our tech one hundred listing you can you know book demos and you can do all that sort of stuff. This is all about practitioner to practitioner, peer-to-peer learning, Um, not necessarily from within the the finance teams as well. Yes, we've got like, you know, the new Microsoft CFO um, coming to talk, but we, you know, and we've got an IBM director of AI, but we've also got um, the PwC head of AI public policy coming to give a slightly different perspective. We've got a keynote speaker on generative AI and the consultancy that she runs. So, because I think that outside point of view is really helpful um, to show us what we what we don't know, um, because there's a, there's an assumption, I think sometimes that we know what we need within a function, but actually, when you start talking to the business about what they want, and you start getting those outside opinions, it sort of shifts your perspective a bit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not a,
1: a, a demo day. But so, how that? F- so, from my understanding of how Gen CFO works, how how what you've just described is like another level of it's almost like jargon busting tech busting and peer support and bringing people together to help each other because I think one of the things that I've observed in businesses is that people assume that a a, a function is expert in everything about its area of work so finance is expert in everything about finance including the technology and the the implementation of things and what i think is great about how gen cfo works is that bringing together of people in a safe space to allow them to explore that stuff so they don't feel exposed within the business environment they've got kind of like that that safe area you know i'm a massive advocate of
0: peer learning because i feel like it's it's you know you find shortcuts and you find sort of trusted partners and you find sort of use cases that you're prepared to go with first because you know another CFO or another finance team have done it you know and we've not traditionally trained in digital transformation you know no one is really and it's moving so quickly so I think you know it's it sort of acts as a bit of a shortcut you can feel definitely get inspiration from the technology but you can get inspiration from the people and the the stories and you know, if I'm a CFO, I I would probably want to hear from other finance people about what they're doing rather than a consultant first or someone outside of the business. But that but it can help to inspire. You know, which is why it's great to have you on the podcast because you know you you sort of pick holes in in my finance perspective. From a from an outsider's point of view, which I think is is exactly what we need, because I, I do feel there's a bit of an identity shift happening with uh, finance
1: leaders. You're, you're referring to my strap line of "I'm not an accountant, Mike." Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, um, exactly. I've got two two other questions actually on the academy that I wanted to ask. Which is, so who are you expecting to to attend the the, the events? What kind of people? So you mentioned obviously CFOs and finance functions, but is it open to others as well? It's, it's an open event.
0: Um, there is a, you know, these things do cost money to put on. So there is a, a ticket price, but it's, you know, very much open to all. It's a low ticket price. It it We expect people from IT to turn up who want to work out the functional side of life. You know, what is it that their finance people want from them? We expect everybody in the accounting and finance space to turn up. Um, These the chances are, you know, you're going to have more senior leaders going to the summit in May and you're going to have more of the sort of delegated um, finance leadership team and finance managers coming to the academy because they're the ones actually doing it. Um, But, you know, from the data, we actually see, you know, it's a real range of people. We, we don't really focus on the sort of micro and the startup side of things because the solutions there are very different. Um, and, you know, everyone would have seen the adverts for, you know, Xero and QuickBooks. We're not on that side. You know, we're in the sort of larger enterprise mid-market side. So the use case is there. And it, I don't know whether you saw that Workday advert about being a finance and HR rock star, which... <laughs> Everybody's seen that, I think. Made me laugh and hated it all at the same time um we're not rock stars nor should we try to be rock stars i don't think any ceo wants their cfo to be a rock star um taking risks and uh probably not got the best uh critical decision making um out there but i think you know it's about trying to get people from the accounting and finance world but also outside the accounting and finance world who may be working with
1: um those stakeholders Wait, that that Is exactly an observation I made. So on our previous podcast that we've recorded, we've spoken to people and touched on business partnering a bit. And business partnering... Is a two way thing. So actually, the thing that I found really interesting working with you, Gen CFO, and attending some Gen CFO events is actually understanding more about the problems and questions within finance that then helps me articulate what I'm trying to achieve and I'm trying to do in a way which they understand. So actually, it's I think I think there's a real opportunity for people outside of finance to get a, a look under the hood a little bit of what's going on. I've got a final question, which is the obvious question, which is okay. So we've talked about the academy. How do people find out more? sign up or find out after the event get get hold of some content
0: this, this is a great plug i didn't know you're going to do this so thank you <laughs> but, right. um, i've been learning a, um no it is a huge part of what i do so i appreciate it but no the the best way to do it is to just search um gen cfo academy which is g e n cfo um and you can go onto that website and you can uh, see the agenda. You can see all the speakers. It's a three-day event, and uh, I think you're going to love it. So, you know, if you have time on the seventh, eighth, and ninth of November, uh, which is this week, um, then you know go for it if not you can buy the replays and um you can there's also a community that's associated with it so you can join the community for free and you can take part in all those conversations so i think the conversation is the real key bit there
1: i was just going to say and chris genuinely didn't know that i was going to ask that question so no. actually the <laughs> fact that you had that off <laughs> off pat was quite impressive it's ingrained
0: i've been working <laughs> on the customer journey for a very long time but um it's all good But you did you helped me segue a little bit there um, quite nicely because I I saw something this week finding the digital transformation sweet spot, and it was a comment from the Flowcast CFO, which uh, is is a big enterprise tool for workflow management, and they were they were basically saying that you know the CFO has the mandate to to make transformation happen, but in a way we need to stop looking at digital transformation as a one off project. Because business is always changing. You know, the requirement from the business is always changing. Technology is always changing. Your people are always changing. So the, I think there's been a bit of a habit in the past to kind of get a team of people in externally, normal, normally a load of consultants, you know, externally recruited. And then they come in and they make some change and then they leave and things have transformed and ticked up a bit. But actually a lot of the knowledge leaves. Um, and a lot of the people who have been in place don't feel that connected to the transformation. So we need to start looking at it as more of a journey for people um, and and not just like a one-off project.
1: It's interesting because the article's written by somebody who clearly is trying to sell a thing. Um, and actually the conclusion of the article, as you've just said, is that transformation is more of a journey. And, and I think that that really resonates. That It made me think of an example of when I first started work, I worked in an office where there was still a typing pool letters were being sent out and internal memos were the way of communicating and then we had a digital transformation which was the implementation of email so email came in we got lost the typing pool people then just banged out effectively exactly the same thing and sent it instantly
0: how old are you tra- I,
1: I, I, I didn't think you were that old I, I i like to leave people guessing right so i'm not <laughs> answering that question i know <laughs> wow um moving from memos to emails was a digital transformation and it ended we we we're still now like 20 years on 30 years on using emails as our default source of of communication um and I, i like to think that digital transformation is a way of thinking and actually if you think about your personal life i mean how many times in the last 15 years have you upgraded your mobile phone and why have you upgraded your mobile phone and that's because the technology keeps on changing and keeps on iterating and i think so there's something in there about that mindset thing and actually it's not one project and hey look we've digitally transformed it, it's a series of incremental things that need to happen alongside sometimes big projects so yeah it, it, i find it quite an interesting it's interesting a, you make a
0: good point actually about you know is it a is it a job title or is it a project or is it a a mindset you know, digital transformation is. It, it, I know that there are concepts, you know, the agile concepts and continuous improvement kind of concepts. I think that they go hand in hand with this space. Where, if you are thinking about continuously improving and those marginal gains and managing them in a in an agile way, then you you, you know you are on that digital transformation path. Um, now, your digital vision can be much bigger than that. You know, it's not just about sort of small changes; it, it could be significant changes, but. But I think that, yeah, the point here, you know, yes, they were talking about a bit of software flow cast and it was from the CFO. Um, but, uh, you know, and there, there was this underlying pitch for sure. <laughs> um, but, I, but what I like about this and calling it out, you know, away from all the hype is because the conclusion was it's not just about the tech. You know, it's not just about buying licenses. Um, of that product but it's about understanding change and buying a solution and the CFO actually having a kind of long-term view on ROI and also it was promoting the CFO as the transformer because and I've always felt this um, and it's not always obvious to the business but the CFO and the finance team all has you know a complete holistic view of the business there's not a single door in the company that they cannot walk in because they're responsible for the budget and talking to the budget holder. So it makes sense to me that transformation should be led by or at least sponsored by the CFO because they're the one who can look at this holistically. And that doesn't mean, you know, the budget holistically. It means the outcomes and, you know, the the overall transformation journey as a company rather than just the
1: finance transformation i broad i broadly agree i think the, the, the other bit that was in there though that actually just makes me slightly nervous around the focus on the fi- finance bit in there was there was a there was a piece in the article about incentivization which is uh i'm going to paraphrase badly but it's it, if somebody comes to me and asks for a five hundred thousand dollar license for a piece of software, then immediately I'm going to ask next year for them to make $500,000 worth of savings or increased revenue to show the benefit of that investment. It should be a neutral thing. And I think that 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 is more transactional than this mindset approach and the kind of digital transformation being a series of steps and a series of thought pieces it might not be as direct line as that as you invest in this and this is the return and i think that that i think sometimes how we measure things and value of things when it comes back to the numbers it actually causes a problem um you don't you you won't have have the benefits you expect or your focus will be on financial benefits rather than actually business benefits potentially so it was i I like the article and i agree with the points you're making i just thought for me, it didn't go far enough. For me, actually, it's about helping CFOs and the C-suite, digital transformation is like about helping CFOs and the C-suite understand the questions they need to ask and understand what good answers look like rather than just a straightforward transactional um, relationship between an investment and a return.
0: You, again, you lead me n- neatly into the the next um the next point that i was going to make so every time every every time we're doing a podcast episode we're asking people to submit their questions we also have a community that runs along the side of this the the gen cfo community and this one's plucked from the the community but if you do want to ask questions to us then do send um, emails to podcast at generationcfo.com or reach out to mike and i via uh, linkedin um the The question that links to what you were just saying there was, you know, do finance people really understand what is happening in IT? And I think the premise for this was a bit of research that um, I found from Vertis, which is a sort of cost-saving company that's out there uh, for SaaS products, buying SaaS products. And it asked, um, I think it's like 500 CFOs and 500 CIOs, do they feel that the exec team understand the nature of cloud computing? And this was specifically and costs associated to it. And 47 and percent said no. And the rest said not sure. And only 21 percent said yes. 21 and percent said yes. And it kind of you know, links to that point that you're making. When we start getting into the detail of these things, you know, Do finance people really understand what IT service is? Do they understand what cloud is? Do they understand the difference between that and a data center? Can they really, you know, understand cost in that space? Because, you know, there might be, you know, if I'm going to a data center and asking them to drive costs down because they're over budget, well, is that impacting significantly something on the business side? You know, is that impacting value elsewhere? So it's, this is a bit of a worrying stat, I think, where we're saying you know, basically three quarters of the board do not really understand what's happening in IT and management of costs is quite difficult from a finance point of view. But so it's not just about the numbers, right?
1: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and it, it, what's going through my head as you're describing that was, does IT understand finance? So does finance understand IT? Does IT understand finance? Do either of those understand legal? An HR. And actually what you're describing is a problem of communication and sharing sharing problems and ambitions in a way which everybody understands and is simple, rather than organizational silos, which is, well, we'll leave the IT to the IT people, but we are in charge of their money, so we'll cut their costs. Or the IT people saying, Well, finance need a new tool to do their whatever it is. So we'll just implement a new tool, but we won't ask them what they want it's about it's back to it's actually links back to the first conversation around that we had earlier about the academy and talking about business partnering is how do you build better relationships across those expert silos within a business not people call it silo busting and it's not silo busting because actually humans organize themselves into silos naturally that's what happens it's about making your silos porous so information can communicate between the, the the important bits of, yeah. of, of expert teams and I, you know again for me that fundamentally underpins where the problems come from in digital data and other transformation approaches. well you talked
0: you, you you talked about mindset earlier and this is another example right exactly. where you know business partner is just a name you know it's just yes. a job title but actually, if it is a mindset and it works, and it is a partnership and a collaboration, then you know you're you're, you're stripping back these problems because you understand what's happening in the business. And you and the, the, there's also a point here that IT don't need to understand what's happening in the business, yeah, to get their job done. But you do need the collaboration and the the group understanding of what the outcome should be, so that everyone can go and do their part. We talked a lot about rugby, but you know, the, you're, it's not like you're asking the backs to go and do the forwards' job, yeah, or vice versa. You are just trying overall to score a try and win the game. So I, I think it's fine for people to you know, not have full knowledge if there is collaboration and if there is true business partnering. But I think yeah. that, you know, as we were hinting on, and we're definitely going to have to do something around business partnering. Well, but
1: well, well, yeah. well, there's, and there's another part to, to that. So I, so I agree, something about business partnering. And I've got, an, I've got an idea about something around leadership as well, because I think what, what you're also talking about is the difference between management and leadership. So and, and th- this is my jargon, so it, it may not work, but so historically management is command and control, bosses telling people what to do. And in, in that structure, the bosses have to know more than the people that they're telling what to do. Whereas I think we it's impossible for a, a boss now, a leader, to know everything. So it mean, probably always was. So actually, leadership is much more about knowing when you don't know and feeling comfortable and reassured to be able to say, look, I, I don't understand that. Can you explain it to me? Can you explain it to me so I understand it? Rather than feeling this kind of fear of showing vulnerability that you don't understand. And and so I would like I'd love to know from that stat that you gave, how many of those leaders that were surveyed in their company would go to their IT CIO and say, I really don't understand cloud computing. Can you explain it to me?
0: Something else that I don't understand um, is this. we would so say each week we're doing this good data, bad data uh, section. I, I thought you shared you shared something for the um, for this section this week, which I thought was was
1: brilliant. Yeah, so I was I. I, I we, you mentioned the rugby and Rugby World Cup's going on at the moment. And we just we, we're recording this just after the best weekend of rugby ever, which is the quarterfinals of the, uh, the, the the Rugby World Cup. Um and some of the matches were incredible. Um, but quite a lot of rugby these days and training is based on statistics and match statistics. And so I just pulled out the match statistics from the game between um, France and South Africa. And it's incredible. So Fran- France, on all of the metrics, um, basically, they they 154 runs over 80 runs um, to South Africa. France had more. 82 carries over the game line to 36. 156 passes to 82, 43 defenders beaten to 12. So all you know, all of the stats, pretty I mean, these much...
0: Are, these are two or three times the the, the gain, right? In yeah. terms of these, these KPIs are saying yeah. the gain is two or three times the yeah. other team.
1: Double, much, much, much better. Yeah. But actually, in the end, all that mattered was that South Africa beat France by one point, 29 points to 28. So actually all of yeah. those stats and all of that data w- is largely irrelevant. Well, yeah. it's not even largely it's totally it's, irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Because actually <laughs> the, the, the French are now sitting at home, sipping wine, watching the rest of the World Cup. Yeah. So I've got two sort of
0: geek, geeky loves in my life. One's data visualization, but bad data visualization. And, and the other one's sort of KPIs and metrics. I think it's my finance stroke BI days um and and the moneyball movie and all that sort of stuff you know where if you if you can find the secret kpi then you know you're going to win out uh cheat the casino and and i think maybe this highlights more than anything is that the game's changing and the kpis that we're measuring against you know might might be the wrong kpis because i was listening to the um i was listening to another podcast and they were talking about one of the South African coaches who actually said that he selected the team on none of these KPIs. He had a new KPI, which was time in between involvement, which was like, like you know, a, a tackle, a carry, uh, you know, a, a, a pass. And I think it pointed to sort of your influence on the game overall, or it pointed to, you know, the impact on the that's the the opposition you know because you're just constantly working against them and after a while you're grinding them down maybe there are other kpis that you need to consider in your you know in your data rather than just the the time old ones and you know i point to leading kpis versus lagging kpis in in analytics and things like that it's really important to understand these things but yeah where does this go is this good data or bad data
1: Oh, well, um, it, it, I mean, it's data, right? So, so the bad data is the fact that, that France have got all of these high scores. So that's bad for them because they still lost. <laughs> um, so sure. I think you, you, you can put, you can put it in, in both senses. I mean, just, just on your point around, are, are you measuring the right things? I think for, for me, it's an indication of almost like perverse incentives that sometimes happen with KPIs. And I'm not yes. saying this is what happened in this case, but what you've just illustrated is, you know, if the only metric that's been considered when coaching is beating defenders, yeah. What's proven by this is it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean it may, it may, it may be in nine times out of ten it does. But that one time is the important one, right? So I think that it it's just you've also got to look at outcomes as well as indicators, I suppose, is is where I'm going with this.
0: I love it. Well, I, I like the fact that you're keeping it topical and uh sporty after a sport that I love. But uh, it won't always be about rugby and the sports. Uh, It's just that it's going on at the moment. Only once every four years, uh, which is all good. Look, I I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I think, you know, the messages for me is that we have the academy coming up. If you're curious about that, there's a lot still to learn in terms of digital transformation generally. Um, I do think that this is very much a core part of anybody's career now um so you know if you're not really familiar with this then obviously press subscribe and and you know be interested in uh, the other bits and bobs that we're doing including the academy reach out to to Mike and I on on linkedin and uh, like i said if you do have any shout outs then do um let us know uh, podcast at generationcfo.com and uh, i'm really pleased to say we do have a shout out this week and somebody connected with me on linkedin dave slater who is uh, the group financial controller at Mackenzie stewart and he said uh, would you mind plugging the fact that i'm running 10k every day this year um all the way through to the last one on the 31st of december that would be every day he's been covered by the bbc he's running for two charities um candlelight's children cancer charity and um papyrus which is a charity aimed at preventing young people suicide and um, he's also training if that wasn't enough to be uh, a mountain guide where he's looking to sort of take people from the charity uh, on trips which uh, is very therapeutic so if you are interested in supporting david and th- those charities reach out to david directly on uh, linkedin but he also has a website one the number one dad running.co.uk and you can find those two charities there um to to sponsor him kind of puts my training plan into uh into perspective um, so i was
1: ju- i was just thinking that i mean if you wanted motivation i don't think <laughs> I, there's anything i can say other than refer you back to one dad running i mean that is incredible right
0: <laughs> but look um thank you mike very insightful this week
1: and yeah. uh well
0: done even though you had a cold and uh thank you guys for listening and obviously remember it's not all about the numbers take care Bye.